Now, today being Canada Day, I want to brag on our country a little bit and why Canada is the best country in the world and share with some of our American friends that are here today. <laughs> we came... We came back from the States yesterday and we went to, uh, we went through Michigan and we went to Chicago and honestly it was a very beautiful area and I'm not trying to knock on Americans, I have a lot of American families, but I want to take a moment to brag on Canada and how beautiful our country is and the beauty that we see around it and the beauty that we see in the animals around us and nature and, you know, it was a few weeks ago and we live in a not not like we live in a secluded area, but there was like there was a bear sighting just two blocks away from our house. I'm like, how is there a bear near our house where it's just the main road? But we see these different animals, and we see deer, and we see how clean everything is. And I can go to almost any park with Simon, and I won't find a speck of garbage. And it's just beauty all around us. And um, I don't know if I should share this or not, but growing up, we had a lot of family in New York. And we do these road trips to the States all the time. And as tradition per tradition, every time we'd cross back over the Peace Bridge, my dad would roll all the windows down in the car and tell us to breathe in the fresh air as he drove back into Canada. (laughs) I didn't do that on the way back because I enjoyed where we were. But that's just something my dad always did growing up. And we just, I poke fun at it, but I do brag on the beauty of our country and how it is and just funny things about our country and how polite everyone is and you see people trying to hold doors open for each other and you know people trying to let people go by and all these different things you know I'm going to buy the coffee I'm going to buy the coffee or you know have you ever been at a stoplight and you get an advanced green and the first person there just misses the green and not one person honks because everyone's too polite I know it happens. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Maybe it's more so here in Mississauga. They saw you do it. But I've sat through those where it's a line of cars and everyone's too polite to honk at the guy and everyone misses the advanced green. And to me, that's such a Canadian thing. But one thing I love about Canada as well is the diversity that we see here and the this big melting pot of cultures in our area. And in Canada... We see something like 200 ethnic groups. One-fifth of people, uh, of Canadians, were born outside of Canada. We see over 200 languages. And almost 20% of the citizens of Canada are bilingual, of whether it's English and French or English and uh, whatever their second language it is. But here we see Canada is really this international hub, and really the world has come to us and specifically this GTA area, because we can go to different places in Canada and see secluded areas of culture or places in the States where secluded areas culturally. But we come here to this GTA area, and we see cultures everywhere, and we go to these churches, and you see all types of people from all over the world in these churches. And, you know, we have these missions conferences, and we're, we're... We have the command to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. And we have this emphasis on missions. And it's amazing because we individually as as Christians have the opportunity to reach people from all around the world right here in our community. You know, God so loved the world. And here we are in the GTA able to reach the world right here. 
And you know what a great responsibility that is for us as a church in trying to reach these people. I was looking up some, some statistics um, about Christians around the world. And Christians are actually the most persecuted religious group in the world. And in that, in at least 104 countries, Christians are, are harassed and persecuted by governments and organizations. And this harassment includes physical assaults, arrests, detentions, desecration of holy sites, and discrimination against religious groups in employment, education, or housing. And we see that harassment of Christians was the highest in the Middle East and North Africa. And about 90% of those countries in those areas, there's persecution against Christians. And I know many of us have heard about the 1040 window. It's that area... Um, specifically where there's a lot of unreached people groups with the gospel. And I, I was interested to see, okay, let's look at some of these countries, these unreached people groups around the world, the most unreached, I should say, and see how many are here around us in the GTA. And I was amazed with how many people from this 1040 window are right here in our own communities. Um, Afghanistan is on the 1040 window. And in Afghanistan, there are few Christian believers, and Christianity is seen as a Western religion. And those that exist must keep their faith secret or risk being rejected by their families or even killed. There are no churches except for secret ones. While Afghan Christians are at greatest risk, foreigners are also in danger. In 2014, several Christian aid workers were killed in the country. And right now, or this might be more at this point because the statistics are a few years old, there are 23,000 um, Afghans just within the GTA. Not in Canada, but within the GTA. Um, Ethiopia. There were 60 violent incidents recorded against Christians in Ethiopia in 2014. Many happen in Muslim-dominated areas of the country where Christians report harassment for their faith. And in the GTA, we see about a population of at least 11,000 people. And, you know, going through this list, I think back to uh, high school and elementary school and the people I went to school with and the people I was able to share the gospel with that were from these places, that are these unreached people groups that, you know, if you're the goal there, you have that chance of being persecuted, but we're able to reach them right here in our homes. And there's a list of them. Um, Iraq, there's 12,000 people in the GTA from Iraq where we know um, ISIS was controlling that and uh, the devastation that we saw there and a place where you were going to be killed if you were a Christian and were able to reach them here. Um, India, you don't really think of India as being a place of persecution, but Christians in India are under great persecution and being killed for what they believe. And in this area, we see over half a million uh, people from the Indian community in the GTA. People from Iran, 57,000. There's over 140,000 Jews. There's uh, 5,400 Eritrean people. There's over 1,500 people from Myanmar. There's over 76,000 people from Pakistan. Over 20,000 people from Somalia. Over 6,000 people from Sudan, which is a very... Um, where... Converting from Islam is punishable by death. Syria, we see a lot of Syrian refugees, and they're coming into Canada, and we can reach them 
with the gospel of Christ. You know, these unreachable nations, these nations where if you are going to go there, you're under great risk. And praise God for those that are going there, but we have the opportunity right here in our own backyard to reach these people. And there's such diversity. Um, there was a missionary that I know of that went to Nepal. They went on deputation. They were serving in Nepal, and for reasons they had to come back, but they still had that heart for the Nepalese people. And they were like, we want to serve there, but God is calling us out of the country. And you know what they did? They looked up, okay, well, if we can't serve in Nepal, where's the second largest Nepal community? And you know where it was? Toronto. And they started a church, I believe, just today in the GTA with with the hope of reaching this community right here in our own backyard. And we're able to reach these nationals who have a burden for their own country. They have the opportunity to reach others. And we, we can do that right here in Canada. And, you know, I love this country, and we give our allegiance to this country. My parents came to this country in the 80s, and they became citizens, and they pledged allegiance to this country. And I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful that my parents decided to come here to give us more opportunity. And many people, I'm sure people here today, that came here for a better, better life and have given their allegiance to this country. You know, in our lives, we give allegiance to many things. You know, we see people with their allegiance to political parties, people with allegiance to their clubs and organizations, allegiance to their sports teams or allegiance to jobs or employers or schools, colleges, you know, people that show allegiance to their communities. You know, where I, where I grew up in my community, there's such, um, almost a following of that community. There's such a close tie, and people show allegiance to that neighborhood. You know, they want to rep that neighborhood because that's where they grew up. That's where they met their friends. People show allegiance to family and friends. And we show allegiance to all these things, but God wants us to give him our allegiance first. The Bible says no servant can serve two masters. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know, we see the question posed throughout Scripture. Moses asked, he said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. We see Elijah, he questioned, he said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. We need to give God our allegiance first. You know, we have this unique opportunity to reach the world right here in our neighborhoods and cities, and we just need to get in tune with God's heart. You know, what does God want us to do? What does he want us to be doing? And that's what I want to look at today in our passage here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And starting in verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all the things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled, to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And let's pray before we continue. 
Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you just be with me at this time as I share your word and share what you put on my heart, Lord. And I pray that you just give me the strength and the power to, to deliver that, Lord, without competing on what your word has to say, Lord. And pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. And here in our passage, we see in verse 20, we are ambassadors. We are to be ambassadors for Christ. And the definition of being an ambassador, an ambassador is someone who's an accredited, accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country or a messenger. And in our lives, we, we represent a lot of things and people and places. And well, I kind of mentioned it before about showing our allegiance and how you know we're ambassadors for the things that we represent. And you see someone with a, a Blue Jays hat on or a jersey, you're like, they're an ambassador for the Jays, whether you think it or not. Or you, you see someone representing their college or their high school. And, you know, People have pride in the places they go to school, and they're ambassadors for that school. They want people to go to their school. People are ambassadors of the company, you know, trying to get people to spend their money at that company or ambassadors of brands. You know, you're, you like to do certain things or use certain products and you're a brand ambassadors because you're showing the world that that's something that you use or you represent or invest in. But most importantly in our lives, the Bible tells us that we are ambassadors of Christ. We're representatives of Jesus Christ. And I want to look at a few things about being an ambassador for Christ. And first of all, I want you to notice our job description. Our job description as an ambassador of Christ. What is our job description? What are we supposed to do? In verse 18, the Bible says, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Says and all the things of, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You know we see here that God sent Jesus Christ to recon- reconcile the world to Himself to reconcile that separation between God and man because of their sin. You know, we know in Genesis we see Adam and Eve and there's a fellowship with God in the garden, but we see that their sin broke that fellowship with God and that sin separates us from a holy and just God and yet still he reached out to us. He reached to us to reconcile that separation. In Romans 5 verse 6 it says, For when... We were yet without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? While we were yet sinners. You know, so often as kids we memorize that verse, but when you think about it, while we were yet sinners, Christ wanted to reconcile himself to us. He wanted to give us the opportunity to be saved and to come to him for forgiveness. He wanted us to be able to go back to him and to restore that fellowship with him. 
Reminds me of the story of the, the prodigal son. And we know the story. And he went off into this far country and wasting his substance, the Bible says, in, in riotous living. And then we see this famine come to the land and he finds himself without any money, no hope, no opportunity. And he, we, we see that he's feeding the swines and even eating the husks of the corn that the swine are eating. And he's in this desperate position. And the Bible tells us in Luke 15:17, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. You know, the son, he didn't need to beg his father, which is what he planned to do. He said, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to get down and say, Father, I've done you wrong. I've sinned against you. And even if I just have to be a slave in your house, I'll do it. But that wasn't the case. The son was already forgiven by the father. And when he saw him coming, the son just needed to return home. And we see the father run out to the son. In verse 18 of our passage, um, we see the word, it says, reconciled. And the verb here is passive, which means not that we need to reconcile ourselves to God, but rather we are to be reconciled in the past, which means we just need to accept what God has already achieved. He's already done that work by sending his son to die for us. You know, all other religions promote do. You know, okay, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to give. This is where you need to go. But we offer done. And we see in verse 17, it says, "...hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation." Here we see that we are messengers of the word of reconciliation, this gospel message of sharing with people that they are reconciled already if they just go back to the Father. And as an ambassador of Christ, we need to go and tell them, you know, it's already done. They're forgiven already. They just need to be told. You know, we're not out there trying to get people to sign up and say, okay, this is what you need to do. We're going out and sharing the good news with them that it's already been done. That the work of reconciliation has already been done. They just need to accept it. So as ambassadors of Christ, we have been given this ministry of reconciliation. And you know what? This shouldn't be taken lightly. In this passage, we see just as God sent his son to do this ministry of reconciliation and reconcile us, we must now deliver this word of reconciliation. We've been given the word of reconciliation to share with other people. So we see our job description, but second, I want you to notice our qualification. Our qualification. As I read earlier, the definition of an ambassador is someone who is an accredited diplomat. It's a representative to a foreign country. So as ambassadors of Christ, as Christians, what qualifies us to be an ambassador for Christ? First of all, I want you to notice that ambassadors live in foreign countries. You know, as an ambassador, you don't stay where you are. As an ambassador, you're representing your country somewhere else. 
But as Christians, to be an ambassador, we don't need to leave our country to be an ambassador for Christ, but the Bible tells us that we're already not of this world. And as Christians, we need to be a separated people. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, the Bible says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. You know, in this world, we're, we're as strangers and we're as pilgrims. And what's being implied here in the word pilgrim isn't so much, or it's not talking about travel, you know, when you think of a pilgrim. You know, not like other religions where they do these physical or these spiritual pilgrimages trying to attain um, some kind of spiritual level. Uh, you look at Islam and they have what's called Hajj, which is an annual pilgrimage where they go to Mecca, which is the holiest city for Muslims. And it's a mandatory religious duty for Muslims that must be carried out at least once in their lifetime by all adult Muslims who are physically and financially capable of undertaking the journey and can support their family during their absence. It's just a work, a pilgrimage, this journey that they're going on, trying to attain something within their religion. Or you look at something like in Buddhism, where they go on these spiritual pilgrimages and try to be enlightened and try to meditate in these things. But here, when it's talking about a pilgrimage, we're not trying to, or a pilgrim, it's not something that we're trying to attain or a journey that we're on, trying to work our way to heaven or a way to somewhere, but the idea is of a foreign residence, where heaven is our permanent dwelling place. We're citizens of heaven, but we're temporarily on this earth as a pilgrim. In John 15, verse 19, it says, If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. 1 John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, speaking of the devil. And as a representative of Christ, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, we are to be a separated people. Our focus should be on the eternal things, and our minds should be at the task at hand, not on things on this earth. In Colossians 3, Verses 1 to 3. If I would consider any verses my life verses, they, this might be them. Colossians 3, 1 to 3, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. As Christians... We should be looking to things above, looking on the eternal, rather than setting our affections upon the things, or setting our affections on things above and not things on this earth, things that we can attain, but things that we can invest in for eternity. So we see as ambassadors, we are not of this world. We're citizens of heaven. But as ambassadors... Our qualification, we see that as an ambassador, an ambassador is someone who stands in the place of someone else. So as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, as the Bible tells us, we're ambassadors of Christ, how do we stand in the place of Christ? How do we represent Christ as an ambassador? How can we be his ambassador? You know, what is it that qualifies me as a sinner? 
how can I represent the king of kings? And it's nothing that I, I have done. And the passage, if we read ahead, tells us in verse 21, says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. No, Jesus Christ, who never sins, no sin within him was made sin for us. And it says that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We stand in this place not because of what what we've done or what I've done, but all of what he has done. I stand in his righteousness, as the word of God says. When God looks down on me, he doesn't see my sin or my goodness, but he sees the blood of Christ. He sees his righteousness in my place. And when we represent Christ, we're not doing this in a prideful spirit. We're not saying, look at me and all I've done and how good I am. Rather, in a humble spirit, we're saying, look what Christ has done in me. Look what, at what Christ has saved me from. Look what he can do in your life. Look at the freedom that God has given me from sin, and it's available to you. So what qualifies me to be an ambassador of Christ? And what qualifies all of us here to be an ambassador for Christ? What makes me, as the definition says, an accredited representative? You know, have I proven myself? Have I worked my way up some corporate ladder or some religious ladder? Have I put my time in? I have all the hours? None of these things matter. What matters is that I am a new creature through Christ Jesus. And I've been made the righteousness of God when God looks down on us. We are covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So we see our qualifications, but lastly, I want you to see our motivation. Our motivation. You know, what motivates us now to be an ambassador of Christ? Is it out of guilt? Is it out of fear? Is it out of my love that I'm being an ambassador for Christ? You know, if it was out of my love, my love's not going to last. You know, my emotions eventually are going to get in the way. Something in our life is going to get in the way. And our love is limited and will only be stretched so far. But in our passage, if we read in, in uh, verse 14, the Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And here we see this word constrain uh, translated. It signifies to coop up or to keep within narrow bounds. So it's talking about being constrained by that love of God, having it surround you. Uh, the word constrain, if you look in uh, the book of Luke or in Acts, uh, Luke uses it with the word um, kind of in the same idea of diseases, where someone was sick and they were utterly consumed by that disease. There was no helping them. The disease would have power over their body. Or in, uh, when he's speaking of uh, Jesus Christ, when he was t- touched on his hem and he looked around and said, who touched me? And in that context, they're talking about being in this confined area where there's just people all around them, surrounding them. It's that same word constrained 
that they're talking about by the love of God, being surrounded. You know, you can't tell a lame man to walk. You can't tell someone who's bedridden to get out of bed if they're consumed by that sickness. And that same word, constrained, they're saying we're constrained. We're utterly consumed by the love of God. Or when you think about that large crowd that was pushing against him and just being surrounded by that love. Or when you you think of, uh, if you've ever been in a busy subway or a train or something like that, uh, when I went on my missions trip, we went to, uh, I went to China and we were on a subway and my friend was standing next to me and we get on the subway and he goes, oh, it's a good day. There's only two other people touching me. You know, that was, that was a good day on a, on a, on a subway in Beijing, China. Being just absolutely crammed in and surrounded, constrained, incapable of overcoming it. And here in this passage, it's meant, what, what it means is to prevent us from doing anything but serve for Christ's sake. The love of God has power over us. I read it this morning in Romans chapter 8 verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, depth or, nor any other creatures shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're utterly consumed with the love of God, and nothing can separate us from it. I think back to the time where I, I surrendered my life to God, and I was in Bible college, and it was my third year of Bible college, and I was at Spring, spring Conference, and... Uh, a preacher was up there preaching on that passage and talking about God's love for us. And I couldn't fathom that God loved us so much. And that passage just struck me how nothing can separate us from the love of God. And, and at that moment, God's love was just so real to me. And it was evident in my life. And at that moment, I was like, how can I not give my life to God if he's loved me so much. It's something I couldn't hold back and I I couldn't fight it. I didn't want to fight the conviction and I just wanted to say, God, I give my life to you. I surrendered my life to him and said, whatever you want me to do. In Romans 12, verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And that's what it was to me. When I looked at God's love in my life, I said, you know what? For me to give my life back to God, that's my reasonable service. That's the least I can do for God was to give my life to Him. And the Bible says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So our motivation to be an ambassador, you know, we can do so many things on our own, and it's not going to last. 
But we have this responsibility, the Bible tells us, to be ambassadors, but we're constrained by this love. We have the love of God that's working through us and wants to be shared through us. And we have been given this great responsibility. We've been, this, been given this ministry of reconciliation, which we shouldn't take lightly. And as, as pilgrims and strangers, you know, we're citizens in heaven, but God wouldn't leave us here for no reason. You know, we're here for a purpose. We all have a purpose here. The song says, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. And we could be laying treasures up in heaven. And we've been giving a responsibility here on this earth, which shouldn't be taken lightly. It's a great responsibility, and often we can be overwhelmed by that task. And we look at what's at hand. Uh, this morning, as we got here, and uh, we're down with the choir, and we're trying to get things arranged, and we're kind of scrambling around a bit. And I finally, at one point, was like, okay. And as I, we, we always pray with the choir before, and I said, okay, choir. And, you know, they're trying to figure things out. The choir is a bit smaller because of the long week. And I said, we can do this through us, or we can do it and allow, or allow God to work through us. And the kindness give us peace because it's not of us, it's God working through us. So we have this great responsibility, but we have a great God. Just as great of a responsibility we have, we have a greater God. You know, God is love. In 1 John 4.19, the Bible says, We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And his commandments we have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. You know, God is love, and it's because of his love that we can love other people. We have that motivation to reach other people because we can share that love. So we have this responsibility, and we have this great God, but let's think about that great opportunity I spoke to you about earlier in reaching this community and essentially reaching the world. We have that responsibility, and we have a great God who wants us to, to reach this community, a God who wants us to reach all of our neighbors, a God who wants us to see kids come to Christ, to see adults come to Christ, to see people all around us come to Christ. And what an opportunity we have. You know, we, we have missions conference, and we love missions conference time. We love the missionaries that come through us. But look at how great of an opportunity that we have right here in our own backyard. So what are we doing today to reach our community and to reach our world? You say, well, I'm not qualified. Well, we are qualified because of God's righteousness in our life. It's not because of us. We, we are God's ambassadors. We're Christ's ambassador. We're qualified because of Christ Jesus. Are you qualified? Yes. Are you focused? Maybe today you know these things, but maybe we're not focused. Maybe we're setting our affections on the things on this earth when we should be setting our affections on things above. Setting our affections on on trying to reach other people and trying to invest in those around us. Invest in the church. Invest in young people. Are you focused? Maybe that's something you need to do today is refocus. 
on what we are really doing here? And are you motivated? You know, we can do things in our own power. We can try to reach people. We can try to witness the people. We can do all these things. But if we're not motivated by the love of God, if we're not motivated by the power of Christ, then it's only going to go so far. And this great responsibility that we're given, it's not going to happen. This great opportunity that we've been given, it may go so far, but it's not going to happen unless we have the power of God in our lives. We have the love of God working through us. So let's pray this evening as we reflect on, on his word.